Good morning. It's good to be back together here at the Diamond Bar campus. The monthly service in Alhambra last week was successful. Uh, we're learning a lot at both campuses as we, as we walk through this process. I was thinking just now, it's, it's sort of like um, giving birth. We're giving birth to a new, new campus, and it, it parallels in, a, in a, a lot of ways. You know, you, 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 at the very beginning, you find out you're pregnant, you're excited, and you're, you're anticipating. Then as things go on, you start thinking, oh, this is what, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to take care of this child? How am I going to be a good parent? Then as it goes along, you start getting ready. You get the nursery ready. These are the things we've been doing for the new campus. We've been getting things ready. We've been working hard toward the grand opening, February 17th, and um, we are in, currently in labor. <laughs> it's going to be a four-month, five-month-long labor. And uh, it's, there's, there's some painful aspects to it. But boy, when, when we birth the congregation out there in uh, February, what, what a joy that's going to be. And it was a joy last week uh, to share in that, to see new family and friends be able to come. Uh, that wouldn't come here, and that's why we're doing it. We're doing it to include more of our family and friends uh, in that area, in the life of Church in the Valley, and God is really at work, and I appreciate the works going on all over the place, all over the valley. I was telling uh, somebody yesterday, I feel like I'm spread all over the valley now <laughs> as, I, as I lead Church in the Valley. We got both ends of the valley pinned down. So anyway, enough about that. Uh, that was a good week. Uh, I heard it went well here, and really glad for everybody's work on that. This week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up where we left off here at the Diamond Bar campus. Uh, we started a new series called The Gravity Effect, and what we're doing is we're looking at uh, how our thoughts and emotions have this tendency to pull us downward, and sometimes we feel like we're just at their mercy. Uh, the thoughts that come around, the, the emotions that we experience. Uh, and actually, we tend to gauge our happiness by our circumstances that pull us in a certain direction, usually downward if they're negative circumstances. The negative circumstances pull us like gravity in our thoughts and, and emotions downward. It, it feels like, at times, if we're gauging our happiness by our our external circumstances, it feels like our ability to enjoy life is beyond our control. It's beyond our reach. It's out of control. And this, this produces a victim mentality. Thankfully, God's Word, the Bible, connects some very important dots for us and shows us the right source of happiness. There's a direct link in our happiness quotient in life, and that direct link is our thought patterns. Our, our thought patterns are crucial in whether or not we enjoy what we're living. Our joy factor is directly tied to what we dwell on in our minds. Listen to Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Dwell on those. 
Those are the higher thoughts. They match God's thoughts. thoughts. His thoughts and ways are higher than ours. These are the higher things. And we need his help to lift us toward that. Research shows that the average person thinks 50,000 thoughts a day. Is that staggering? I mean, that's staggering to me. So it makes sense that our experience in life is dominated by what goes on between our ears. That, that's where it all happens. The thousands of thoughts that we think every day have a tremendous impact on our joy factor. Circumstances, they trigger thoughts and emotions, but we have the final say on where we land with our thoughts and emotions. We can decide where we're going to dwell. The challenge is that much of the time we are pulled like gravity into the gutter with our thoughts and emotions, and when we wallow in the negative thoughts, we're miserable. Life stinks. Zig Ziglar calls it stinking thinking. You know, we, we just wallow down there in the gutter, in the mud. What we think and feel about ourselves, which is what we're going to look at today, we're, we're going to look at having a clear view of ourselves. What we think and feel about ourselves has a dramatic impact on whether or not we enjoy our lives. Maybe more than anything else. A defective self-image puts a ceiling on God's work in and through me. It's an important thing to understand. If we, if we have a wrong view of ourselves, it puts a false ceiling on what God can do through us. Because we work in cooperation with Him. We, we, the way He is, He gives us the privilege of carrying out His purpose in the world, and we work by staying in step with Him. And if we're out of step with His way of seeing us and looking at us, we, we really can't experience the life He intends. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at how to deal with thoughts about ourselves that tend to drag us through the mud and make us miserable when we dwell there. Thoughts of self-condemnation. You ever get those? Ah, oh, that's a horrible thing to think. That, that's a horrible thing to say. No Christian would ever think of doing or saying that. No, but that's, you, that's disgusting. How horrible. I deal with those at times. Thoughts of insignificance. You know, nobody cares. They, they don't care about you. You're really on your own in life. Nobody cares. Nobody understands what you're going through. Thoughts of incompetence. Are you going to really be able to pull this off? Maybe you have a work project or a school assignment or a test that's coming up. And boy, your mind is just swirling with... oh. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not quite sure. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure I'm able. You, know, you can apply that to parenting, marriage, work, school, ministry for sure. Whatever it is. You ever been disappointed in yourself? Boy, I, I just blew it there. I missed that. Why did you say that? Why did why did you do that? Can't, can't you get it together? 
These are the kind of thoughts I struggle with at times. Comparison. I'm not nearly as fill-in-the-blank as they are. You know, don't watch TV. It'll send you in a downer. <laughs> I'm not nearly as beautiful as they are, as smart as they are. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. We have these thoughts of comparison that can just drill us down. People-pleasing, you ever struggle with that, thoughts of that? I wonder what they think of me. Or do you read between the lines? They don't seem to think I'm very capable. They don't, they don't seem to really appreciate me for what I'm doing. These kinds of thoughts and the emotions that flow from them, they, they come from the normal approach to self-esteem that we take in our country. And I want to look at this briefly. They, they take us down and pull us down. In this approach, what we have to do, our normal approach, we have to pump ourselves up, and it's almost impossible to get real with ourselves and to be real with people around us because it makes us afraid to be who we really are. It makes us afraid to be ourselves. Getting real, however, as you get into Scripture, is crucial. It's important because it's the key to having the best kind of life that we can have. It's, it's the key to living the life that God wants to lead us to live. So having an accurate self-image is crucial. Not too high, not too low, but just right. And so that's what we're going to look at today. But first off, I'd like to look at the, the slippery path to feeling good about myself. This is what we normally do. It's something we all, I fall into for sure at times. But this path makes sense to us because it's the accepted path in our culture and it's reinforced by the media and the people that we hang out with. To feel good about ourselves, here's what I have to do. I discover what's valued by the people around me, I compare myself to them, and then I increase myself, my self-worth, my value, by getting more of whatever it is that's valued by the people around me. So i got to discover what's valued by others. Usually, we have a group, it's either a real or imagined group of people, that we're trying to impress. And the group has a set of values. Cool is usually high on the list, so we want to be cooler. Uh, smart is on there. Influence, having power, beauty, athleticism, artistic sensibilities, w whatever it is, the list can go on and on. Whatever it is, the lists tend to revolve around three basic things. Sexual potential, work potential, power, and influence. So anyway, I discover what's valued by the people around me. I, I check it out, I try to think it through. Then I compare myself to set my value. My value is based on how I measure up to the people around me. So when deciding what we're worth, we look at the group that we're a part of or that we want to be a part of or this imagined group that's been created by the media, whatever it is, and we see how we're doing. Whenever I don't measure up in one of these ways, sexual potential, work potential, power and influence, I'm stuck. So I strive to increase my value by getting more of whatever it is. Now, many pick a niche, and they go for it. If I can't win the all-around, 
I can't be beautiful, smart, and have a lot of power, then maybe I can at least excel at this one thing, and I'm going to drive until I do. I do whatever it takes to measure up to the external values that are set by others. This makes me vulnerable to circumstances beyond my control. This is a bad place to be. Makes us very, very vulnerable. The picture I have is the hamster on the wheel, running as fast as they can, but getting nowhere. Just They'll run for hours. <laughs> and we do the same. When we get into this system, we do the same thing. If you have very little work potential, no power, and you aren't stunning with good looks, there is a question that can haunt you. Do I still have value? Am I still worth anything? This is a fatal flaw in the normal approach to setting our self-worth. In this system, self-worth is something that you have to chase after and you never can catch it. You're on that wheel, just... You're making noise, but going nowhere. Here's some good news. There is another path. Because when you get into Scripture, what you find out is this. The only accurate estimate of my value is set by the one who made me. He has set our value. And he's made it very clear. If you get into his word, the Bible, it's very clear how important we are to him, how valuable we are to him. Now, more and more in our country, we sort of unhinged from our foundational belief in God and scriptures that we were built on. And we're moving toward an understanding of the origin of people that says we're the result of an impersonal process, an evolutionary process. In, in this view, human beings aren't anything special. We're just the latest version of... Uh, the highest form of life on the planet that has been formed by a cosmic machine due to the survival of the fittest. It's an impersonal process that creates an impersonal product. At least we tell ourselves this. And when you start here, where do you get your value? Those three things. Sexual potential, work potential, and power or influence because I'm going to win this thing. The chemicals in our body aren't worth much. Um, you could sell body parts, but then you wouldn't survive. If you sold your body parts, you'd get about $200,000 for them. But then you wouldn't exist. It'd kind of defeat the purpose. So you, we aren't really worth much, but we end up as just a body in this normal approach and in uh, walking through the results of the impersonal evolutionary process. We know in our soul that we are more valuable than that. We know deep down there's more to us than just a body. We are more than the result of a random process. 
This, this is why faith in God is so crucial. It's crucial not only there and then in eternity. It's not only crucial for that, but it's crucial in the here and now. Because as we trust God, as we get to know Him, as we decide to give Him our life and trust Him with it, we find out the one who made us has given us a tremendous value. He's placed a very high price on our value. First of all, we're made in his image. Not just a higher form of animal, not just the latest version of something created by the evolutionary process, but we're actually created to reflect the one who made us in a special way, in a unique way. We, we have thoughts and emotions, those things that we struggle with, they actually reflect our creator. He does too. We can create things. We have to use what he's made to begin with, but we can create. We ourselves can change. We can make an impact on our environment. We are loved by God. We're made in his image. We are loved by him. Nothing else in creation reflects him quite like us humans because we're made this way. This gives us an amazing amount of value in and of ourselves. But before we can understand our real value, the price tag that God has put on us uh, once and for all, before we can understand that, we have to face the truth about ourselves. We're a mess, aren't we? I mean, I don't know if you're willing to admit it, but we're a mess. We, we are a mixed bag. The Bible says that we have all rebelled against God. God made us. He gave us this high place in creation. He made us in his image. And it's only right that we would glorify him, bring honor to him by doing what he wants us to do. But the Bible says every one of us has decided to go our own way, to live life independent of God. And that's cut us off from knowing God personally. That's, that's cut us off. We... We are now a mixed bag of nobility because of who he's made us to be and cruelty because we want our way and we're okay with making people pay a price. Listen to James 3.9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. I don't know if this is in your outline. I, I don't think so. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. So we're, we're this mixture of nobility. We've given this high place by God, but we've fallen now due to the rebellion. So we're this mix. We understand our real value. That's the backdrop to knowing our real value before God. Here it is. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were running the other way, while we were rebelled against God, Christ died for us. It's like the value of a rag doll or a nasty blanket that your toddler just loves to no end. I don't know, we, we had some of these. We had blankets that our kids needed to go, go to sleep. And if you lose the blanket 
or the rag doll or whatever, the, the boo-boo bear, I don't know. <laughs> if you lose the thing, it could be the nastiest thing in the world. You, you know, you'd never get very much on the market for it. But if you lose it, what do the parents do? They're scrambling. They're trying to find it because they know they may not get much sleep tonight without this thing. It has a high value because of what the child has attributed to it. The child has given it a lot of value. They, they, it comforts them. They want that thing. This is where we, as human beings, get our value. It's derived from God, his love for us. He made us. He made us in his image. We rebelled. He bought us back in Jesus Christ. He paid a high price. Christ died for sinners. We only understand our real value in knowing what God has done for us in spite of the rebellion that we've been able to do. Ephesians 2 says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we are dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. It's because of his great love. We needed his mercy. Everybody needs a savior. Everybody needs forgiveness. We just sang that. We all need his mercy. And because of his great love for us, Christ died for us, even when we were spiritually dead, cut off from knowing God personally. By his grace, we've been saved. And look at what happened. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This passage is showing us that sin-like gravity has pulled us down. But God has lifted us up and given us a high position in Christ. Jesus' resurrection, if you're investigating Christianity, Jesus' resurrection proves that he has the power to do this to save us, and to give us this high position spiritually. So here's the flow. In the created order on earth, human beings, number one. We have a very high position. We fell when we sinned and rebelled. And our dignity remains, but now we're this mixed bag. And since the fall, we have a very cloudy view of our value as people our own value, and the value of others around us. When we admit our rebellion and our sin and yield to follow Christ, we're given a high spiritual position in him. It's an amazing thing that God has done. And here's why he's done it. In order that, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we have this high value and purpose. And this is the only way to arrive at an accurate self-image and a sense of self-worth that isn't fleeting. That doesn't put us at the mercy of some external set of values. Something that we can build our lives on. It's incredibly important to understand this. We're going to talk about it in the life groups this week here. In Diamond Bar. But with that in mind, let's look at how to fortify your self image. How do you do that? First of all, see yourself the way God does. When you become a child of God by deciding to follow Christ, you have someone who loves you that you can count on. 
This isn't in your outline either on the handout, but Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness. This is what God says to his people. This, as I was preparing, this, this verse this kept coming to my mind. I have loved you with an everlasting love. God's love for us will never change. We can count on it. We can, we can build our lives on that. This, His love, gives us the courage to be honest with ourselves and aim for an accurate self-image. If, if we're depending on everything out here and what other people think of us, whether we measure up, all, all this stuff out here, if we're depending on that for our own self-worth, we're at the mercy of what's going on out there. We, we have a very cloudy view of our value and we can't be honest with ourselves because we're constantly trying to impress and trying to put this image out there. But if you understand that you are valuable to God, His love will never change. You can build on that and you can have the courage to honestly assess who you are before him, which is the key to growth and change. You, you, you have to honestly be able to assess where you're at right now if you're going to do something different. Romans 12.3 says this, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. The right goal is an accurate self-image. That's, that's where we want to go. If we want a clear view, this is what it takes. The wrong self-image sets a ceiling on what God can do through me. So the right one really helps. It's important not to think too highly of myself because what Scripture says, if you're proud, you exalt yourself, and you're arrogant, you keep falling. So that sets a ceiling because you're going toe-to-toe with God, you're taking his place, and you're being proud and arrogant, and you're going to fall. That happens over and over again. So if it's too high, not good. There's a ceiling. If it's too low, it's, I'm, I'm not willing to attempt what God really wants me to attempt. He, I'm not going to do what he wants me to do because I'm afraid. I don't think I can pull it off. I'm held back by that. So I need an accurate image of myself, an accurate picture of who I am before God and what I can do helps me maximize my effectiveness in every area of life, at home, in my marriage, as a parent, at work, at school. An accurate image is crucial. When I blow it, I need to be able to admit my wrong and move on. If I don't admit my weakness or sin, then I'm in denial. I never change. I'm never dealing with what really is. I can admit my wrong because in the way Christianity works, it's not my performance that determines my value. It's my position that Christ has paid for that I have. It's my position that gives me value. Out of the love of God, he has given me this position. And that increases my value. That gives me a value that is unbelievable for me. 
in, in your thought life, it's important to battle. And it's a battle because those 50,000 thoughts, many of them are just like gravity pulling us down. It's a battle to see yourself the way God does, but it is worth it. So first of all, see yourself the way God, God does. This is how you fortify your self-image. Get into the scripture, and as you begin to read it, what's going to happen? It comes alive. It comes alive. God speaks to you. He shows you how important he, you are to him. And that, that fortifies you. It strengthens you. Battle to see things the way he, he does. You will grow to enjoy your life more and more. No matter what's going on out here, you won't be tied to the circumstances. God can give you joy right here and now. Second thing, do right so you'll feel right. We get this backwards sometimes. Most of us think, when it feels right, I'm going to do right. It's just everything's got to line up. And then I'm going to do this really hard thing. I know it's right, but I'm going to do it. As soon as I feel right and everything lines up, I'm going to do it. That's backwards. Psalm 106 says, There is joy for those who deal justly with others and always do what's right. That's where the joy is. One constant source of feeling rotten about ourselves is this. We're doing what we know we shouldn't or we're not doing what we know we should. Most people, this is George Carlin, whom I, I wouldn't quote him very often in a, in a message. <laughs> Most people with low self-esteem have earned it. That is one thing he said that's true, okay? <laughs> Most people with low self-esteem have earned it. A key to feeling good about life is to stop doing what you shouldn't do and start doing what you should. Now, easier said than done, I know, but God can give you the power to do that. Stay focused on that. Do right and you'll feel right. And then three, watch what you say to yourself. Changing the way you talk to yourself, because a lot of those thoughts are self-talk. I mean, we're talking to ourselves. Changing the way you talk to yourself will change your self-image as fast as anything else. In Proverbs 18.21, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We're advised that both life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, one author I read this week said, the words you mutter to yourself have the power to encourage or discourage, to motivate or deflate, to generate joy or repel it. That is so true. Cut out one by one every expression or remark that's inconsistent with the person God made you to be. That's very important. So those 50,000 thoughts that are swirling through our minds, we need to be aggressive at filtering out the ones that don't count and redirecting when we're on a slide, when we're sliding downward, we need to redirect them in the right direction. Fight the pull of gravity to put yourself down with the truth of God's word. It's important. Thoughts of low value when you start thinking, eh, no, I'm not very important in life. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for you and I through sending Jesus to die. What a demonstration. Thoughts of condemnation. You, you, you've blown it. Maybe, maybe you sinned and you've confessed it. You've, God, that was wrong. If you've confessed it, you're forgiven. 
But the thoughts sometimes linger. You know, no Christian would really do that. Nobody would think that. Say that. What are you doing? Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Memorize. Soak in little sword thrusts of scripture that you can use to battle. God loves me with an everlasting love. When you're feeling insignificant, not very important, hang on to that. When you're worried about whether you're going to be able to pull this off, not sure I can do this, whatever it is, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6 says, God makes me, me competent. It's Him, Him, His Spirit. I want to do this. If you've been a, given an assignment by God as a parent, as, as a marriage partner, as, as a boss or an employee, whatever it is, it, in ministry... This is applied to ministry, this passage, but he makes us competent to do what he wants us to do if we'll trust him and do our part by learning to do it. If you get disappointed with yourself, Philippians 3, 12 through 14, very important passage for me. Paul, this, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament says, I'm not perfect. And I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. So I forget the past, I look to the future, and I move on. When I blow it, if I'm disappointed, wow, that was, whoa, that was horrible. What were you thinking? Okay, I'm going to press on. I'm going to forget the past, I'm going to move on. If you get into comparison... 2 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. There's no wisdom in comparison, no understanding. I will keep to my limits, the limits that God has apportioned to me. I'm gonna, in other words, I'm going to just have an accurate, hey, I'm not perfect, God loves me just like I am. I'm going to hang in there with the faith he's given me. If you get into people-pleasing, Proverbs 29, 25, I could go on and on. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. You've, you've, you, if you're afraid of what people are thinking and saying about you, you're in a trap. You are all tied up in knots. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. That's the way forward. Directing your thoughts about yourself to God's truth is critical to enjoy life. It's a fight that's well worth it because a defective self-image puts a false ceiling on God's work in and through me. Very important. I'd like to wrap up the message today by asking you to think through some next steps. If you would, please pull out your connection card that's in the program you received on your way in. Uh, in a moment, we're going to receive our offering. You can put that card in the offering. And I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take the time right now to finish completing any information or next steps that I'm suggesting on that card and, and then when the offering comes around, you can put that in the offering. As the band comes up, here are the next steps. Uh, first of all, memorize Romans 5.8. Crucial verse. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Boy, you can hold on to that. That sets my value right there. Rock solid. Another step, I fortify my self-image by circle one, based on the last three points. Um, uh, of the message, how to fortify your self-image. Um, <clears throat> either I'm going to, now I've got to remember my own points. 
This is tough. But what's the first one? You can help me. See yourself the way God is. If that's something you need to work on, circle that one. What's the next one? This would be interactive messages. Do right so you'll feel right, and then watch what you say to yourself. I remembered that one, yeah. <laughs> watch what you say to yourself. Anyway, circle one of those, and um, then let us know. And then finally, uh, we're having the CIB preview today. Uh, if you haven't attended that Church and Valley preview, we'd love to have you there. You're welcome to, to attend today. That'd be great. Lunch is provided. Would you, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that's in your word. It does set us free. If we'll trust you, walk by faith, you free us up to live the life that you really made us to, to live in the beginning. And God, I, I ask for your help as you've laid things on our hearts, as you've given us these steps. I ask for your help, God, the power to take the steps that bring honor and glory to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.